Hello, and uh, welcome back to the Conrad Life Report. This is episode number two. It is uh, Wednesday, September 27th, as I record this. Um, I had a pretty good week. I hope um, anyone listening also had a pretty good week. So if you listened last week, you'll know that the beginning of the podcast of um, this entire thing was deciding what I would what name I would give to it. So I ended up going with the Conrad Life Report, as you guys saw, um, which was almost uh, replaced with Radio Free Conrad, which was suggested by my friend Howard, which I thought was a really cool name, but ultimately stuck with with the Life Report because I think it's a little more apt. Um, But yeah, you know, making things and then naming them can be a very fun process. And then I had to throw up a cover image, some sort of artwork to live um, as an associated thumbnail image that will travel wherever this podcast electronically travels. And I ended up going with a photo from the neighborhood of the Cobble Hill Cinemas that I took a couple of years ago. And I looked it up. I looked up the metadata and Realized that I took it um, on, let's see, January 23rd, 2016 at 8.23 p.m. that night. So it was snowy, and it was, that was the day of the huge, one of the two or three mega blizzards that New York City has had um, in the past three years or so. And it was a nice, beautiful all-day affair, and... Spent the day at home, of course, periodically shoveling outside and hanging out um, with Oliver and with my nieces and bro-in-law, sister-in-law and wife and family and everything. And um, that night, decided to step out for a bit to a local watering hole. We went to Congress and on the walk there, walking down the middle of the street, of course, because it was empty, um, walked by the cinemas and took that photograph and as I was taking the photograph this cyclist I think a delivery man delivery person of some sort restaurant I don't know if it was a restaurant but rode by and I happened to get um photograph so with him riding by cool little image anyway so now I have a name for this thing I have a an associated image that I suppose I can change at some point um, now I'm ready to go, to keep going. So guess I'll start again with, with music and what I was listening to this week. So this week I listened to a whole lot of soft rock because I played a show last night at, um, basically my favorite place to play threes brewing, um, the brewery here in, in Brooklyn over in Gowanus on Douglas between third and fourth Avenue. And they have a beautiful, tiny room that just has tons of vibe and character um, upstairs from the brewery. And I played with my usual cohort of of friends and colleagues. And 
it's it's sort of a rotating crew that my friends Annie and Ray, Annie Nero and Ray Rizzo, have a thing they call the three ring bender, and every just about every month they come up with a sort of broad theme and bring in friends and sometimes people they or we have never met and we sort of just put together a small show and perform it great fun and this month the theme was duets and for whatever reason maybe the nature of the construct of a duet itself it leaned towards a lot of soft rock so the set list was 11 songs i think the first the first song that we played <laughs> the first song that we played was cruisin which is a 1980 or so smoky robinson song but i think um pop culture has elevated the huey lewis and gwyneth paltrow version to probably a more visible level and that version is really good because Huey Lewis is great. He has a perfect pitch range for the vocal in this song. And Gwyneth is pretty good, too. So we use that as our um, reference version. And we had rehearsed. Well, first of all, we only rehearsed once for this thing, which is pretty common. We only rehearse once. We get through most of the songs. We didn't get through all the songs at our at our Monday night rehearsal, but but Ray was going to handle the Huey part, and Annie was going to handle the Gwyneth part, and that's how we rehearsed it. But when we got to sound check and we ran through it, they both weren't super comfortable with it. Annie asked to switch, so it was really interesting. So Annie sang the Huey part, I you know the male voice, I guess you would call it. And um, and Ray moved up and sang the Gwyneth version, and it sounded so good. Like it's just like one little change like that just completely alters the character of the performance. And they were happy; they were clearly happy. And that, of course, also comes through the performance. And it's just it was the right move. Everything blended better. Um, it's just like a little. So joyous to be like around for those little moments of just discovery and realizing that something you just tweak a little thing and it makes a huge difference. Um, so cruising was one, and when we played it at the show last night, Ray did a thing that I love, just a, a showbiz element that I've always loved, which is. As the song was still playing, as we were still playing it out after all of the words have been sung, the band is still playing. We've got the beat going. Um, the audience seemed um, thankfully into it and in a good mood. And Ray introduced the show, introduced the concept, and introduced the band while the band was playing during the first song, which I love. It's... um just a nice showbiz element and often these things happen at the end of a show over you know spoken over music but ray did it at the beginning it's it just served as a nice little kick kickoff to the night just such smart um front person uh delivery just just a great introduction to the night
So what do we play after that? Uh, we played, what was on the set list? I don't know why I don't happen to have it in front of me right now, but cruising. There was, um, we did Don't Give Up by Peter Gabriel. Maybe my favorite Peter Gabriel song. Has a lot of competition I also love. Secret World, I love, um, oh man, well, Salisbury Hill. I love the entire Melt album peter gabriel three um but don't give up is from so the 86 record and it's his duet with um kate bush and i got to help sing on this one annie and i did the kate bush um lines but we sort of doubled each other um in very similar octaves and Sometimes when you do that, it just makes for such a beautiful blend. And I think that's what came across. So Ray sang the Peter parts, which are really, he belt them out. He did such a great job. And Annie and I did the quiet Kate Bush um, lines. So much fun to sing. And always it's so much fun to drum. I'm drumming back there. You sort of start to like, you, you end up like just losing yourself and you start to float because you're, your limbs are doing something, but meanwhile, you're concentrating on vocals. And I'm also concentrating on reading the lyrics from the printout I made and also listening to Annie and making sure we're um, singing the same line. It's, it's so you just sort of like you, you almost leave your body when you do this and and you're floating and it, it's another worldly experience. It's great. It's like, I don't know. When you, when you experience something that's different from what you usually do and your body and your your mind react positively to it and it just is a great experience and it you sort of like that, that glow um, hangs around. So we did Don't Give Up. We did Mozambique by Bob Dylan from Desire, the 75 record. Our friend Jeremy Haynes sang that one um, with Ray uh, just, a, um, just a nice rave up. We did it nice and ramshackle. Although I don't think as ramshackle as the the Dylan version, because that that version is intentionally very uh, loose and rolling and tumbling. We also did everything's all right from Jesus Christ Superstar, which is a really pretty. I think it's like the fifth or sixth song in. I can't remember. Uh, Mary Magdalene is sort of the one counterpart and the other part is first uh judas so ray just sang a, a great um very emotional emotionally charged judas and then back to mary magdalene which was annie and then jesus forms like the second part of the uh the second duet partner uh and of you know of course there's a lot of symbolism there it's like um duality and you know Jesus and Judas arguing two separate things. Anyway, and David Nagler, uh, who played um, a Nord keyboard throughout the night, he sang the Jesus part. Such a fun song. And it's amazing how much of a crowd pleaser, uh, well, I think any show tune is in general, but that song and Jesus Christ Superstar and maybe it's on people's minds because of the really good NBC live musical that was on recently but really fun to play and I got to do a thing I like to do which is 
shake a shaker with the right hand and then sort of do all sorts of things with a stick with the left hand. So doing rim clicks and um, little little light cymbal pings uh, during the Mary Magdalene parts and then striking the snare drum with the actual butt end of the stick during the Judas and then Jesus parts. And I was a little annoyed with myself because I had forgotten to turn the snares back on on my snare drum before because um, it came right after Don't Give Up and I turned the snares off for that. And I had a bandana draped over the snare drum so I couldn't really see where the snare throw throw off was because I was playing Ray's snare drum and I just didn't have the internalized muscle memory of how to operate his snare drum. So I just whacked the snare uh with the snares off and sounded sounded pretty good but the having the snares on might might have provided a little more menace anyway what can you do when you're playing and that sort of thing happens and you just you just go with it um what else did we do we did a song that we didn't have time to rehearse on monday night with dolly parton and porter wagner um i guess uh what's it called i guess I can't remember. My mind's blanking so late right now um, as I record this. But that was okay. I think the the positivity and the force of our personalities got us through that, but certainly not being super well rehearsed. So there's always one of those in the set. Um, And we did the Roberta, we did a Roberta Flack song um, and finished with Air Supply, um, Lost in Love, just a great song. You know, turns out Ray is a huge Air Supply fan. So was Mike uh, Phillips, Michael Phillips, who was um, playing guitar for us. I love Air Supply. Uh, you know, one of my first records was Air Supply's Greatest Hits from the Columbia House Club. I chose it as one of the twelve for a penny or whatever. <clears throat> so Lost in Love, it is a beautiful song. Um, it's a Graham Russell within Air Supply themselves duet. And in the third verse, uh, Russell just really starts hitting the high notes and Ray managed to do that real crowd pleaser. And that was the end of the show. And just a great night at threes, um, which is a really special place. Uh, they just, it's, it, the, the performance room has become sort of a, just base home base clubhouse type thing for just a lot of musicians that live in this neighborhood just do free pay what you want shows and it's just such a special vibe i think people really like being in that room when you're in that room there's like candlelight soft lights and stage and you hear the actual sound of the instrument like the drums aren't even mic'd really um you're you're listening to the instruments in the room and um yeah i think it just it works well in there it's it's just um good vibe you know i'm all about good vibes who isn't oh and the um opening act the warm up the you know so to speak first first performer was tyrone cotton who ray plays drums with and produced his record and tyrone's just this amazing singer songwriter from louisville kentucky which is where ray's from too and um so Tyrone was there. Uh, our friend Joe Russo came and hung out, and he ended up sitting in for two songs with Tyrone. Great night. Uh, great. Oh, and Tyrone's bass player plays this double bass, you know, the big stand-up bass 
Vin Vin Warner, I think. Uh, he played with us as part of a show back in April in threes. Anyway, great bass player. Love watching a double bass player in action from 10 feet away. So that was my musical experiences for the week. Basically just listening to all those soft rock songs on, on the duet Spotify playlist that was created for all of us to learn from and then playing the show. Books, move on to books. So as I, I think, uh, mentioned last week, I did indeed read Differently Wired by Deborah Reber, which <clears throat> is uh, basically about, is it, I mean, it's essentially a parenting book uh, about um, parenting a, like a neuroatypical child. And I won't go too much into the book because I feel like I'm not sure how interesting this is to a broader audience, but um, I thought it was a really, really well done book. It outlines, it basically starts with the issues facing these kids and what the support they need, the understanding they need. And then that's like for a first third of the book and the remaining two thirds is outlining 14 different ways we can change the way we think, change, try and change how society reacts and and hopefully just create a um well a future situation where um non neurotypical children are given the understanding and room and resources uh to thrive um let me let's see what here the uh What is I, I tried to uh so basically differently wired the name of the book. The definition she gives, I have it right here, I opened it up. She writes, um, a term I use to refer to the millions of people with neuro differences such as ADHD, giftedness, autism, learning disorders, and anxiety, as well as those with no formal diagnosis, but who are clearly moving through the world in a unique way. Um which is a nice, simple definition. Basically, it's um, just neuroatypical, uh, non-neurotypical. And um, yeah, the uh, how am I? How can I put this? Essentially, you know, we just want to like create. Parents just want to create a world for their kids where they feel secure, safe, and know that they're supported in their quest to be the best person they can be. Uh, what that doesn't mean is quote unquote, curing people. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with autistic people. There's nothing wrong with differently wired people. Um, you know, we just, you just want to create an environment where they thrive. Um, and oftentimes, the school system, the, the general school system out there, or lots of programs, camps, aren't really places they can thrive for many reasons. Um, so it's just about learning how to navigate this world and learning how to find, carve out the best, the best path for a child that needs a sort of different journey um, than the 
neurotypical child. Great book. Um, I ended up like dog earing at least 10 pages. Just I thought these are great points that I would want to just go back to quickly if, you know, if I needed to. There are a couple of very moving parts, which sort of, you know, struck a chord with me because I saw some typical, typical, like similar experiences I've had, we've had with Oliver. Um, just, yeah, really nice book. Um, I, I don't think it's something I would, I would, you know, I'm not going to give it a, a wholehearted recommendation if, 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 you know, this doesn't really concern you, but, um, I definitely do recommend, you know, at least Googling something or maybe reading the book description or just getting just getting a small sense. I think, you know, everybody deals with a differently wired person in their lives every day, even if they don't know it, um, would probably be beneficial to society to be a little more cognizant of this. But anyway, great book brand new book and my my friend Steve Silberman did the blurb that's on the cover Steve Silberman is a very famous science writer um wrote the fantastic 2015 book Neurotribes which essentially pioneered the term neurodiversity and discusses the strengths to the human race really of just uh championing championing neurodiverse humans and he is one of the world's foremost deadheads. So he and I um, have that in common, too. And he's a great guy. Great, great guy to talk to. So anyway, so the big question, of course, is what am I going to read next? I don't know whether to move on to the second book of the three-body trilogy. I can't wait to get to it, but I'm wondering if I should give myself a little more breathing space before diving in. I think I might finally read Rob Sheffield's book, Dreaming the Beatles, which came out, I think, a year ago. But it's just a collection of essays about the Beatles. Um, criticism, you would call it. It's like, you know, just rock criticism about the Beatles stories. I've thumbed through it. I haven't really read any extended excerpts. But Rob is a Beatles expert. He's just a great writer. He writes for Rolling Stone. Uh, that's like where he's been recently. And um, there's a sort of peg, as they say in journalism, uh, to a current event, which is that a White Album new super deluxe whatever reissue version is coming out in November. And it's going to have a lot of the demos from George George Harrison's house in Esher, Sussex, uh, the acoustic sort of demos, um, unplugged demos when they came back from India and started getting down some songs before they went into the studio. A lot of studio outtakes. Um, there's several versions of it. I can't wait. It's re being remixed or mastered, not remixed, but remastered by Giles Martin, who's George Martin's son, and he did a fantastic job with the Saint Sgt. Pepper's um, remaster that came out last year. So all signs are pointing towards me going down to Books Are Magic in the next day or so and buying dreaming the Beatles and that'll be my next book and I'm assuming I'll tear through that because it'll be so good and I'll be reading it on the subway and listening to the white album and I can't wait for that then I'll get to the three body problem and see what happened with all of these extraterrestrials and life in modern near future China 
And also I was thinking about how every couple of years I go through a Beatles phase. I think a lot of people that like are semi-serious quote-unquote music fans or even you know not i i think semi the serious music fans are the ones that actually recognize this and like to and like to discuss it but um i think probably everyone on on earth goes through beatles phases but i feel another beatles phase coming on um and the white album is probably my favorite album of theirs i think i have favorite songs elsewhere in in the beatles body of work scattered throughout um but the white album's the one that i enjoy listening to because it's just such a just a crazy collection of thoughts and emotions and melodies and noises um it's brilliant what else this week school still you know going well oliver still enjoys kindergarten i think um I can only indirectly guess because we don't really go into the classroom anymore when they're out of preschool. So, but his general vibe is good. And I think he likes it. And I know he likes his teachers because he actually explicitly says that. So tonight I went to curriculum night where I sat down with the teachers and they tell us what the curriculum throughout the school year will be and their philosophies for math and reading and, and, um, writing and, it was very interesting um, to be given sort of a year-long s- syllabus <laughs> um, of what he's going to learn. It's just exciting. Um, and then there was a s- sort of school big party get-together competition fun games thing in the gym that proved to be too loud for not only Oliver but maybe more so me because I just can't stand loud reverberation, huge, like a voice coming through a not great sound system, bouncing around this gymnasium. So thankfully, you know, when it was suggested that we might want to leave, it was swiftly decided to leave. Um, Unfortunately, led to a few meltdowns on the short walk home, but that was nothing that a slice of pizza and some airplane rides from his uncle couldn't, couldn't solve. So school's going well. I think we're reaching the end of what I want to like kind of have a, as a time limit on these things. So I'll just finish up with um, beer. I didn't drink too much beer this week um, of note. Oh, yeah, two, two beers. I had, I had a great beer over the weekend called um, Marshmallow something. Let me look. Anyway, it was from... Um, I think Innerboro, and oh my goodness, it was so good. Like like a hazy IPA thing, and they say there are mushrooms or mushrooms. I keep saying mushrooms, marshmallows. They keep saying there are marshmallows in it, um, and you can taste it. Innerboro, yeah. So it's Innerboro, which is out in Bushwick or something. Mad fat fluff, and it's super hazy, just really just delicious, and you can taste marshmallows, and then. Last night at Threes, I had a beer that they, it's a collaboration with Other Half, which of course is um, a uh, another local brewery here, kind of probably the best known New York City microbrewery right now in, in terms of like hipness and all that. 
Okay, so the beer was called Smiling Politely. So it was a Threes Brewing collaboration with Other Half. And it's a Keller beer. And I guess a Zwickel beer. I'm just reading the description right now. But Keller beer is kind of a type of uh, version of a lager, I think. Like a Pilsner-y type. But I read the history has something to do with you would brew it at a colder temperature and it would get stored in caves. Um Keller beer, and I think Keller means like it comes from cellar, you know, so you store it in a cool basement or something. Anyway, it was great. Um, very different type of beer from the marshmallow beer, but I loved them both. And that's it. Tomorrow's Friday. It's going to rain a lot in the morning, apparently, which stinks for me because that means I'll my run, my daily run will probably be washed out, but what can you do? And... <clears throat> The National are in town this weekend for two shows, so I'll be heading back to Forest Hills, where I was two weeks ago for the David Byrne show, and I just love going to Forest Hills, and, um, you know, if you know me, you know that I have a long friendship and musical playing with history with the National, and I just, I go to every every show there's and it's that they're in, in New York, and or wherever I am, and anyway, it's just going to see a lot of old friends, and it'll be a nice celebration. I think some family members are flying in, and I'm excited. It hopefully will be an, a nice weekend of good music and good vibes. Oh, and Jason Isbell is, is one of the artists playing on Saturday show, and I've listened to him a bit, and I like him, but I also really like him on Twitter. He's this funny voice, um, kind of, of of the resistance, you'd call it, um, <laughs> and of and, you know, he, it was kind of, you know, yeah, it's, that's, you know, not insignificant given that he's a Tennessee based country singer, essentially. Um, and, uh, you know, every time he posts something anti Trump or whatever, you, you see all these, you know, his mentions, his replies on Twitter are just like these angry replies. And he said something very funny. I saw him tweet out this week, which made me laugh said somebody said to him asked him like you know how do you how do you deal with reading the reading the replies to your tweets and he said simple i read the replies to the replies which i thought was very funny um nice perspective very nimble he seems like a great guy i can't wait to see him perform with his obviously excellent band and guess i will talk about that next week on the podcast Oh, time to cue up the outro music. Um, let's see. The intro music I did, highs and lows, outro. Uh, um, I had picked something earlier. I can't even remember what I chose. Oh, well. Why don't we go with something a little upbeat? This is like the shortest song in the Taka Taka catalog and it's so unlike everything else but it's just nice and guitar-y let's see yeah here we go alright that was Conrad Life Report episode number 2 September 27th now 28th 2018 from Carol Gardens Brooklyn thanks for listening and uh, see you next week